take your Bibles, if you would, and open up to the book of Matthew. The book of Matthew, we're going to take a look at Matthew chapter 5. This, today will be our last message in our Matthew series, and then next week we'll have our uh, a message on the resurrection. Let's not forget we've got uh, Saturday. This Saturday is our communion service, our Lord's table service at 5 p.m. That will be in place of our Sunday evening service, so we'd like you to be a part of that coming up. We'll have a Lord's table and focus everything on that, and then uh, we'll have our uh, Easter service um, next Sunday morning. Looking forward to all that God has for us. Matthew chapter 5. We're going to take a look at verses 17 through 20 and then verses 43 through 48. I'm preaching on the righteousness of God this morning. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 17, the Bible says, Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy but to fulfill. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. Whosoever therefore shall break one of these least commandments and shall teach men so, he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whosoever shall do and teach them, the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say unto you, that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, ye shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. Now go over to verse 43 if you could please. Ye have heard that it hath been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor... And hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. That ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. For he maketh his son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. For if ye love them which love you, what reward have ye? Do not even the publicans the same? And if ye salute your brethren only, what do ye more than others? Do not even the publicans so? Be therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness, and we do pray that you would help us this morning as we look into your word. I pray that you would use me. And, and Father, I do ask that you would help me to be a clean and pure vessel before you. I pray, Father, that you would give me the strength mentally, emotionally, physically, and spiritually that I need to be able to open up your word. And I pray, Father, as I've already prayed this morning, that if there is one here this morning that does not know you, that they would come to know you. I pray that they would see that they, they need you as their personal Savior. And, Father, I would ask that you would uh, help us as Christians to be able to apply biblical principles unto our lives. Help us not to come here just to be able to do our duty, but help us to come wanting you to change us, to make us more into the image of your dear Son. We ask you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. you. may be seated. There's two really troubling statements that are made here in this passage. And I don't know about you, but when somebody makes a troubling statement, I'm usually trying to figure out, okay, how, how can I fix this or how can I reconcile this? The first statement that Jesus makes, he says, basically, and this is paraphrased, that those who, those who um, don't do my commandments and then teach others not to do them, they're least in the kingdom. That, that's, a, that's a troubling statement. 
And then he says at the end there that be perfect even as my Father in heaven is perfect. That's another troubling statement. I don't know about you, but to me, at times, that, that sounds like bad news for, for me. And I don't know, I, I like good news. I, I, don't like, I don't like bad news. I don't watch much of the news because it's so negative. I just don't. And some people are news junkies, and that's fine. I'm not against that. You watch every single uh, news outlet there is, and, and that's fine. But I, I just can't handle that. It's just too negative for me. And it pulls me down, and I'm like, you know, I've, I've got that type of personality. I'd be like, woe is me, the earth, is the, you know, it's all over. And, and so I just let people who like to watch that, and they tell me what's going on, and, you know, that's good. Preacher, he's all into it, you know, he just loves it. He, he's into it, and, and uh, that's just great. That's him. He doesn't have any problem with it. I just, I just don't like that. I'm more spiritual than he is, and so that's why. But... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> But, um, you know, I, I like good news. And basically what this, this passage of Scripture is telling me, if I were to wrap it up in, in the one sentence, is it's how to live righteous. And he's made those two statements. And I'm like, okay, if I don't follow the commands, and then if I were to teach others not to follow the commands, I'm least in the kingdom. And then he says, be perfect even as your Father in heaven is perfect. And this whole portion of Scripture, these, these two portions of Scripture are talking about living righteously. Well, how, how am I to do that? And basically what he's saying is living righteously means to live according to God's standard of righteousness. See, we all have different standards, don't we, in our life? We set up different standards. When, when I'm dealing with parents, I say, look, I say this tongue-in-cheek, I'll say to them, I don't care what your standards are, I, I do, but that's another, that's another you know, issue for another time, all right? I'll say to them, but whatever your standards are, make sure that you're just consistent with them, okay? You know, that, whenever you're dealing with children, that's, they need that consistency. They can't get in trouble one day, you know, for, for uh, chewing gum and, 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 and spitting it out on the ground, and then the next day, they don't get in trouble for it, okay? Or if you're a school teacher, you know, it can't be that one day it's, it's okay for a kid to write in pencil, and then the next day it's not okay for them to write in pencil. I mean, the, the standard has to be the same, because if not, you're all over the place. I mean, you're confused, and it causes, it causes great distress in somebody's life. And God says, look, for, in order for you to live righteously, you've got to live by my standard of righteousness, you know what I found? All of us have our own standard of righteousness. We do. We've set our own standard of righteousness up, and we think that if we meet that, we're pretty good. And you know what our standard of righteousness is? I'm going to tell you, every person's standard of righteousness in, is, that's in here, just as long as I'm better than that person. See, I'm not as bad as them, God. I, I don't do those things that they do, you know. You know, I don't swear and cuss and chew and go with women that do, you know. I, I'm pretty good because I'm not as bad as that person. See, what happens is our standard of righteousness is based on this here, all around us, okay? But God says that's not the way to base your standard of righteousness because everybody's standard of righteousness is different. And it can be confusing, 
God says, look, my standard of righteousness is the one that you must live by if you're going to live righteously. I think all of us would want to be known as righteous people, or as or we would say it this way, as good people, that we're good moral people, we're good living people, we're good honest people. Well, from the world's standpoint, that's fine, but from God's standpoint, that's not enough. See, my question then is, what does God's standard of righteousness look like? How do I live according to God's standard of righteousness? For that fact in the matter uh, of it, what is God's standard of righteousness? Well, he tells us in verse 48. Go back to verse 48. God's standard of righteousness says, Be therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. Well, let me start off by telling you that God's standard of righteousness is perfection. Now, most of you right now have just given up. <laughs> you said, I might as well go home. I've already blown it in the past hour. <laughs> now, don't walk away so soon, and I, I don't want you to throw up your hands just yet, because it is possible for us to live and to grow in God's righteousness. See, the key, is, key in understanding this passage is understanding the word perfection. And we'll get to that in a little bit, but... I want to walk with you and answer the questions. Walk through this passage with you and answer some of these questions. That what does living according to God's standard of righteousness look like for us? What does that mean for the way that, that I'm to live out my life? And I want us to answer these questions from the Bible. Not from what man has to say, but from the Bible. First of all, if you're going to live according to God's standard of righteousness, you must think your, or I'll put it to you this way. Your thinking toward the law must be correct. Your thinking toward the law must be correct. You say, where do you find that? Take a look in verse 17. The first thing out of Jesus' mouth in this part of the discourse is, think not. Right? It's those two words right there. He says, think not. That I am come to destroy the law of the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. So what this this statement that I just made, your thinking toward the law must be correct. What that statement is saying, it implies that one can have faulty thinking concerning the law, and that's very true. And that's why Jesus is addressing this. There is wrong thinking about the law and about him, and Jesus is directing his audience, and he's directing us about how they should think about the law and how they ought to think about his relationship to the law. If you're taking notes, put this down. Correct thinking starts with correct understanding. Correct thinking starts with correct understanding. See, I think it goes without saying that you cannot correctly think about something if you do not understand it. Now, I'm not saying you have to understand all the ins and outs about it. And I'm not saying that you have to have a total understanding about it. But you have to know some basics in order to understand it correctly. You can't just not have any knowledge of it, of whatever the subject may be, in order to understand it. If you were to study this out, you would find that the law is very important to the Jewish people. Matter of fact, it defined the identity of the Jewish people. 
And because of the fierce loyalty of the Jews to the law, they at times would seek to dismiss Christianity, what you and I believe. They would seek to dismiss Christianity as an upstart religion seeking to overturn the ancient law of the Jews. Now think about it. Put yourself in their position. This was not only their religion, this was their society. This is the way that they live life. You know, uh, for example, if you were to go to um, many countries that, that um, hold to the religion of Islam, you will find that it's just not their religion, but it is their way of life. And it was the same thing here for the Jews. It was their way of life. And they've got this individual called Jesus, and he's coming in, and he's saying some things, and their whole world's starting to get turned upside down. And now there's these converts, and, and everything's starting to change here, and they're getting really concerned. If that was you, you would be in the same position. You would feel the same way because it would feel like everything that you know or knew was being ripped from underneath you, that your whole society structure was being totally uh, dissembled in front of you. And you could see how this could be a threat to them, to all that they knew that was true. But the reason for these feelings and the reason that the Jews suffered was because they did not understand the purpose of the law. They missed the fact that the law was designed to point people to the Lord Jesus. See, because they didn't understand the law, they didn't have the correct understanding of Jesus. And listen, if you and I, we don't understand the law, we're not going to have a correct view of Jesus either. I want you to turn over to Galatians chapter 3. See, the law was not designed for you to be able to keep it in your own strength. The law was not designed in order for you to be able to keep it in your own righteousness. In Galatians chapter 3, the Bible tells us what we need to understand about the law. Take a look at verse 24. Galatians 3.24, the Bible says, Wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ that we might be justified by faith. Every other religion has their laws out there. When we're talking about the law, we're talking about the scriptures. I'm talking about generally that way. Jesus was talking about the Old Testament. We understand that. But every other religion has their laws out there. And their laws are to be able to, it's something for you to do. You have to do this in order to earn your way. You know, it's, it's a tally system. Here, the scriptures tell us that the reason for the law, it wasn't so that we could try and exercise this out in our own righteousness because none of us could. But the whole point of it was to be able to point us to Jesus in order that we might be justified by faith, that we might be made righteous by faith. So first, the law points us to Christ, but take a look at Leviticus chapter 11, if you would. Turn over there. So th what was the law designed for? The law was designed to point us to Christ. So when you're reading your Old Testament, okay, Christian, when you're reading your Old Testament, you ought to be looking for Christ. You ought to be looking for Christ. 
Because so many times we read the Old Testament and we see this and this law and this law and this law and this law. It's all to point us to Christ. You say, well, a lot of those laws don't necessarily apply to me because they're, they're food laws or whatever the case may be. I understand that. But it's still to point us to Christ. And it's to get us to see our need of him. Listen, friend, if you know Christ, your personal Savior, you just didn't need Jesus at the time of your salvation. You need Jesus every day. And when we're looking at the law, we should say, hey, the law is something that's good. Why? Because it shows us how far we would have to go to try and be like Christ. You say, man, that could be kind of bad news when I start seeing all these things that I have to do. No, that's actually good news when you start to see all those things that you cannot possibly attain to. You know what that ought to lead you to? That ought to lead you to praising God for Jesus. I mean, thank you, God, for sending Jesus because there's no possible way that I could do this. Listen, some of you broke the law today. You say, what do you mean? Did you follow all the speed signs this morning? Or maybe you were a little late. You know? Just saying. Leviticus, you should be there by now. Verse 45. For I am the Lord that bringeth you up out of the land of Egypt to be your God. Leviticus 11.45, for I am the Lord that bringeth you up out of the land of Egypt to be your God. Ye shall therefore be holy, for I am holy. You know what the law displays? It displays the glory of God. It, it, it shows us that he is pure. It shows us that he is holy. It shows us that he is righteous. Romans 3, chapter 20, the Bible says, Therefore, by the deeds of the law shall no flesh. Listen, did you hear that now? Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified. So let me stop there and say this. I don't care what religion it is. I don't care if you're Catholic. I don't care if you're Muslim. I don't care if you're Hindu. I don't care what you are. I don't care if you're Baptist and you're following a set of rules, okay? The Bible says that nobody is going to be justified by following a set of rules. That you've heard it this way, that my good deeds are going to outweigh my bad deeds when I get to heaven. Let's see what the Bible has to say. Not a Baptist preacher. The Bible says, therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. You've heard those people, well, I'm just hoping that the scales will... Guess what? There's no scales in heaven. No scales in heaven. Why? Because the Bible says that by the deeds of the law, no flesh is going to be justified. So, so what does the law reveal? It reveals our brokenness. I don't know about you, but if something's broken that I want to use, I want to know about it before it's broken. Don't you hate that? You ever loan something out to somebody and they give it back to you, but they don't tell you that they broke it? So you just put it away and then you figure, I'm going to get it out. Oh, I need this. Oh, and you're in, and it's always when you're really busy and you're under crunch time, right? You're under pressure. Oh, I've got to have this. So I'm glad I got this back. You pull it out, you plug it in or whatever, and you find it's broke. What in the world? You've got to be kidding me. 
I can't believe it. it must have been a Dallas Cowboy fan that used this. That was for you, Steve. <laughs> I'm milking this Super Bowl for all I can because it's probably going to be the last one for a long time. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying, right? Don't you hate that when it's broken and you want to use it? Hey, folks, aren't you glad for the law? It lets you know that you are broken and that you need somebody to fix you. See, because if there was no law, you wouldn't know that you were broken. You wouldn't know that you need somebody to fix you. You wouldn't know that you couldn't fix yourself. You wouldn't know that you had a burden of sin that only Jesus could take away. You wouldn't know that. And so in order to be able to have the law, we find that it reveals our brokenness, and then we see that we have started to have a correct understanding of the law. See, this is what some of the Jews, they missed. But not only does correct thinking start with correct understanding, correct thinking understands the fulfillment of the law. Your thinking toward the law must be correct. But we also see here that correct thinking, uh, correct thinking understands the fulfillment of the law. Take a look at verses 17 and 18. Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy but to fulfill. For verily I say unto you till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. Matthew here makes a double, double emphasis what is that? He, he says that Jesus did not come to destroy the law. He, makes it, he, he states it twice. And for the Jews, this was extremely important because they were devoted to the law. Jesus, what is, he's saying here, Jesus had no intentions of doing away with the law or any part of Scripture for that fact of the matter. Jesus wanted everybody to know that he came to fulfill the law. Hey, folks, listen, there will be those that even today will say, well, the Old Testament's not for us. Listen, if the Old Testament was not for us, God would not have included it in the canon. Okay? There's a lot of people that are going around saying that, well, we're New Testament Christians, and yes, we are. That we're under grace and we're not under law. Yes, we are. I understand that. But why, what is one of the purposes? We found out today that one of the purposes is to point us to Jesus Christ. One of the purposes is to show us our brokenness. One of the purposes is to reveal the glory of God. Not having the Old Testament is like only having half a picture of God. You don't get to see the full picture of who he is. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Some of you singles who just broke up with somebody, you had pictures of that special so-and-so, and what'd you do? You just cut them out and kept yours because you look so good. You know. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? But when you don't have the Old Testament, Jesus, the, the, the other portion of God, he's cut out. And he wanted, Jesus wanted the people to understand that this is one of the reasons why he came. Many times people say, well, Jesus came to save my soul. And yes, he did. But you want to know one of the other reasons why Jesus came? He came to fulfill the law. Why? Because if he hadn't come, we couldn't fulfill the law and there would be no salvation. And if Jesus came and didn't fulfill the law, there would be no salvation. So one of the reasons why he came was to fulfill the law on our behalf because we could not. We'll talk more about that later on. But I want you to turn to Isaiah chapter 7, if you will. According to Jesus, nothing in the law will go unfulfilled. 
I want you to see a couple of verses here where Jesus fulfilled the law. Jesus fulfilled the law in his birth. Just a few months ago, we celebrated the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ, and he fulfilled the law in his birth. Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 14. Isaiah 7, 14. Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. All you have to do is go to the Gospels there, and you can find where Jesus fulfilled the law. That was completely fulfilled. Jesus fulfilled the law in his birth. Jesus fulfilled the law in his life. In Hosea, 11, in, in, uh, Hosea chapter 11 and verse 1, Jesus fulfilled the law in his life. It says, when Israel was a child, I loved him and called my son out of Egypt. What happened? You remember with me that Mary and Joseph had to flee to Egypt. And what happened after Herod died? God called Mary and Joseph and the babe Jesus, the young child at that time, out of Egypt. Jesus fulfilled the law in his death. It says in Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 8, he was taken from prison and from judgment, and who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off from out of the land of the living for the transgressions of my people. He was stricken. Jesus fulfilled the law in his death. And my friends, we're getting ready to celebrate this just next week. But you know, really every Sunday is a celebration of the resurrection of Christ. But Jesus fulfilled the law in his resurrection. In Psalm chapter 16 and verse 8, the Bible says, I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. Therefore, my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. My flesh also shall rest in hope. For thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand are, there are pleasures forevermore. Man, there's so many fulfillments of, of prophecy and of the law that Jesus fulfilled just in that passage of Scripture right there. Folks, would you please name me any other religious leader that has ever fulfilled any of their Prophecies that might have been written about them 750, 1,000 years ahead of time. You can't orchestrate that kind of stuff. Jesus is, in fact, the very Son of God, and it is in his righteousness, if you know him, that we are clothed, and it is because of that that we can live in this righteous standard that God has set. There is no religious leader. I don't care if you look at somebody like Mahatma Gandhi or if you look at uh, Muhammad or if you look at uh, Mother Teresa or if you look at any religious leader today. I don't care if even if you look at uh, a Billy Graham, some, you know, a great evangelist for the cause of Christ who led millions to Christ. Let me tell you something. He had to get saved just like everybody else had to get saved. He needed Jesus. And Mother Teresa, she, need, she needed Jesus or needs Jesus. Mahatma Gandhi would have needed Jesus. Muhammad needed Jesus. Buddha needed Jesus. But guess what? Jesus never needed Jesus. And by the way, Mary needed Jesus. Remember with me that she said, what did she say in her great song that she, uh, that she sang out with Elizabeth about her God and her Savior? See, correct thinking understands the fulfillment of the law, and the law has been fulfilled in Jesus Christ. The key is understanding how we are to live according to God's standard of righteousness. Let me be quick to say that all those people that I mentioned, 
If they ever came to Christ, then they're in Christ. But folks, no matter how good you are, no matter how righteous you are, what did the Bible say? That no man will be justified by the righteousness of the law. You can't, you're not going to be able to fulfill the law. That's what the Bible said. Not a Baptist preacher. That's what the Bible said. So if something, you might be bristling, oh man, I, I... You know what? You're going through the exact same thing that the Jews went through. Because it's, this, this is going against everything that you've ever been taught in your life. You say, I was brought up in such and such type of church and such and such type of religion. And they didn't teach me. They taught me that it was Jesus plus Mary or Jesus plus baptism or Jesus plus good works or Jesus plus Holy Communion or Jesus plus confirmation or Jesus plus whatever. Guess what? It's Jesus plus nothing equals everything. And you might be saying, well, I, man, how, how can it be this way? Because Jesus said that he's the only way. I didn't say it. How could Jesus be so narrow? Because he is the only one that can really save your soul. <laughs> See, correct understanding or correct thinking understands that Jesus is the fulfillment of the law. But letter C, correct thinking is committed to the commandments of the law. Verse 19, whosoever therefore shall break one of these least commandments... And shall teach men so, he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whosoever shall do and teach them, the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. I don't know about you, but if someone were to say to me, get down here right now, sit in that pew. I'm going to tell you exactly what's going to happen inside. George is going to bow up. I'm going to look at them and go and turn around and walk away. That's my flesh. Now, if you catch George who's going to be spiritual, sure. I'll go sit down. The point is, how many of us really like being commanded? Unless you're in the military and you don't even like it in the military, you just do it because you don't want to PT duty or you don't want to run extra miles or do extra push-ups or whatever, Okay? But none of us like to be commanded to do something. We don't mind being asked. But we don't like being commanded. Unless the command is something that we want to do. Like ladies, and if your, your, your husbands were the type of husband that I am. <laughs> and you say to your wife, I want you to go spend some money, honey. You know? I'm commanding you to spend some money. Yeah, and you're like, yes, all right? You head out to your favorite store. We don't mind commands that, that, that we want to do, right? Like all you can eat, buffets, you know. I'm getting my money's worth. They say all you can eat, so I'm getting it, you know. I mean, you sit at Golden Crow from noon and you work the lunch, and then you sit there all afternoon and then you work dinner. <laughs> You paid your $14.95 and you're going to make sure that you get it. <laughs> See, sometimes there's not only resistance for a command, but sometimes there's total disregard for a command. You know, and that's, that's a great problem in homes and in schools and things like that. But the, the, a greater problem is when it's carried over 
that same attitude is carried over into the church. When it's carried over into Christianity. See, sometimes we want to pick and choose some of the commands that, that God gives to us. We want to have a golden crowd kind of Bible. And the reason behind this kind of thought that we want to pick and choose and we don't like to be commanded is because we think that God is trying to limit us. We think that God's trying to keep something from us. Why would he give us this command? We think that God would, is trying to keep some fun from us. You know, young people say, why do I got to do that? Why, Man, why is Christianity so, I, I just want to go have a good time. I want you to think about something. I want you to imagine with me this morning that you live in a war-torn country. All around you is devastation and destruction. And you want out because the enemy, you want out. But because the enemy has placed so many landmines all around your particular area, you can't get out safely. You want freedom, but you can't get out. And if you tried to get out on your own, it would mean certain death. Then one day a soldier comes by. He goes by where you're at, and he knocks on the door, and he says, hey, I'm here to be able to help lead you out. I'm able to help lead you out to freedom and to safety. And you're like, man, that's great. I've got the exact equipment that will be able to detect the landmines and get you to where you need to be, to safety. The only stipulation, though, is that you must follow me. You must follow me completely. As a matter of fact, not only must you follow me, but you've got to follow my directions exactly, my instructions totally. I don't think anybody in here would say to him, you're limiting me from expressing myself. I want to walk over there. I want to go this way. No, no, you wouldn't say that. You wouldn't say, your commands are keeping me from where I want to go. You would look at his commands and his directions not as restrictive. You wouldn't see the commands and the instructions of that soldier as restrictive. You would see the commands and the, the instructions and the direction of that soldier as protective and life-giving. I've got a question for you. If that's the way we would look at a physical soldier that knows the way out and can protect us from landmines and certain death, and we would follow that individual, no matter what they said, we would follow them. Number one, because they're leading. So we know if they take a misstep, guess what? Huh? It's on them. They're in control. If anything falls apart, it's on them. Why would we take the commands and directions of a soldier to lead us to freedom and safety and not think twice about it as if they're trying to restrict us or they're trying to hurt us or they're trying to limit us or they're trying to take fun from us? We wouldn't look at it that way, but that's the way we look at the God of the Bible. Listen. God is just trying to protect us from the landmines of life. 
See, we need to look at the commands. If we understand the law, we look at the commands as something that are life-giving, that are protective. The Bible says here in Matthew 5, 19, whosoever therefore shall break one of these least commandments and shall teach men so, he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoso shall do and teach them, the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. You know what this is saying? That Jesus is giving us a warning to those who would throw off his commands and teach others to do the same. You know what the warning is? The warning is that you're going to be least in the kingdom of God. It's like this, oh, that doesn't really matter. It's really no big deal. Let me put it to you this way. Maybe we can relate better. Anyone who undermines the faith of another believer in any part of Scripture is in big trouble with God. I'll put it to you that way. Anyone who undermines the faith of another believer in any part of Scripture is in big trouble with God. He says that you're going to be the least in the kingdom. God hasn't given us a right to pick and choose what we're going to obey. Correct thinking is committed to the commandments of the law. And then letter D, and finally this morning, correct thinking accepts the righteousness of Christ. Take a look at verse 20, and we'll finish with this this morning. Verse 20. For I say unto you that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. You know what this tells me? It tells me that God's commandments are very important and that there is a wrong way to view them if we're not careful. Jesus says if you want to get into heaven by your own goodness or your own righteousness, You've got to exceed the righteousness. You've got to go above the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees. Now, listen, I'm going to just let you know it right now. There isn't anybody in our auditorium this morning that exceeds that. You say, how do you know that? Because I know Americans. There is no way that you exceed. If you just study, I'm not going to go into it for lack of time, but if you just study the lifestyle of the scribes and Pharisees, Guess what? There's some people in it we can't get to tithe off of their gross income. These people tithe off of their herbs. They're mint. They're cumin. Okay? And the Bible says you've got to exceed that. Well, guess what? You're not going to exceed that. Just study their history. Study what they're all about. Their, their lifestyle, they were so devoted to God the problem is they were devoted in the wrong way. But they were so devoted to God that when Jesus said this, the crowds must have gasped. <gasps> you mean, you know what Jesus is saying? That the scribes and Pharisees are not even going to get into heaven by doing all their good righteousness. That's exactly what Jesus is saying. There must have been a collective, <gasps> it, would be like, it would be like this. For you to, to for, for you sitting here, if somebody came up and said, I just want to let you know, your pastor is not going to heaven. What? This is the guy that's been leading me spiritually and he's not on his way to heaven? Could you imagine if you heard that? Hopefully that would shock you. If none of you, none of you are like, uh, yeah, I could have told you that. I'm glad nobody said amen. Note to self, that illustration was not good. 
But that's about the way it would have been. They were the religious, they were the ones who were teaching them everything. There had to be a great gasp there. And they were saying, you've got to be kidding me, Jesus. If they're not getting into heaven, who's going to get into heaven? Because Jesus is talking about a different kind of righteousness. See, the righteousness that Jesus was talking about was of a different nature. It was not based upon accomplishments, but it was based upon the perfect righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. Here, let me, let me say it this way and we'll close. The righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees was a righteousness based upon external compliance. The righteousness that Jesus was talking about is an internal and eternal righteousness. See, correct thinking of the law accepts the righteousness of Christ. You may be here this morning without the Lord Jesus Christ, and you might, you might say this morning, well, my good is going to outweigh my bad. You're not thinking correct about the law. You're not thinking right about the law. Why? Because the law is to point us to Jesus, is to show us where we've failed. It's to show us where we were broken. It's to show us the holiness, the purity, the righteousness of God himself. And it's to show us the need of one and the only one that could fulfill the law. And that's the Lord Jesus Christ. You can be just like the Jews of that day, the scribes and Pharisees. They were the preachers of the day. And they put their lock, stock, and barrel in their religion. And guess what? Every Pharisee that did not accept Christ as their personal Savior. Now, there were some that did accept Christ as their personal Savior. But every single Pharisee and every single scribe that did not accept Christ as their personal Savior, no matter how religious they were, died and went to hell. Why is that? Because they didn't have correct thinking towards the law. See, ultimately, my friends, you've got to think correctly towards the law and come to the understanding that the only righteousness that's worth anything is the righteousness of Jesus Christ.